May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. They call him Doubting Thomas. But I would suggest to you that he gets a bum rap. Thomas was no different than any of the other disciples. And he doesn't, clearly doesn't deserve the treatment that he has received down through Christian history. After all, what happened when Mary Magdalene came to the disciples early on that first Easter morning and she declared that the tomb was empty? They believed her, right? Not, no. Peter and the other disciple, the one that Jesus loved, what did they do? They immediately ran to the tomb to see for themselves. They weren't just going to take Mary's word for it. Now, the disciples at the beginning of our gospel reading this morning, they are huddled behind closed and locked doors for fear of the mob that might be looking for them. They're filled with anxiety. They're filled with fear and they don't know what's happening. Their world has come crashing down around their ears with the crucifixion. Now Thomas, he isn't with them for some reason. He's not huddled in fear. Maybe he went out to, to get food or to see if they were still being searched for by the mob. And while Thomas is out, Jesus comes to the disciples that remain there, huddled, and he restores their faith and he restores their vision and they believe once again. But when Thomas returns and they tell him what had happened, he's having none of it. I've got to see for myself. And his answer was just like Peter and the other disciple had done on that first Easter morning. Thomas wanted to see for himself. Now sometime later, possibly a week later, Jesus comes to the disciples again and and Thomas is with them. And Jesus hold out, holds out his hands and he invites Thomas to come touch his wounds. He shows him his side. But instead of touching, instead of reaching out for that tactile confirmation of the risen Lord, Thomas proclaims without hesitation, my Lord, my God. Thomas proclaims the risen Christ, but not only proclaims the risen Christ, he proclaims Jesus as God. The first to have done that. Peter earlier had proclaimed Christ to be the Messiah, but Thomas goes all the way. 
And because of that, this becomes my favorite resurrection story and, and, and Thomas, one of my favorite disciples. His doubt, his questions are perfect for me and I would suggest to you perfect for us as Episcopalians. Questions, after all, are welcomed in the Episcopal Church. And if you don't put your rector on the spot occasionally, you're not doing your job as parishioners. Good questions. Not only are questions, wonder, doubt, and even skepticism welcomed in the Episcopal Church, they are all signs of interest and curiosity, and that, my brothers and sisters, is the soil in which a vibrant faith is born and grows. Now, almost any discussion of faith is not complete unless you include the topic of doubt. For many Christians today, the concept of faith means giving a rational agreement to a particular set of propositions or believing that certain statements or representations are true. Now, I would suggest to you that this often restricts, twists, and contorts our understanding of the Christian faith and Christian life. Knowing what we believe and being able to explain it and put it in words, those things are important. Don't get me wrong. They're important, but they're, they're not all that faith should be about. Real faith has more to do with the heart than with the head. Genuine faith, my brothers and sisters, involves trust. Genuine faith involves trust. Christian faith, Christian belief has to do with an extreme trust. In God. God being who he says he is and that he will do what he says he will do. It means trusting. It does not mean trusting in a set of assertions about God. It means actually trusting in him. When we understand that faith, when we understand faith as trust, rather than an agreement or assent, the opposite of faith becomes not doubt, not disbelief as Thomas gets stuck with, but the opposite of faith becomes the lack of trust or fear. How many times do we hear Jesus and we hear God's prophets say, fear not? From the holy mountain with Moses, Right on through Jesus' ministry, he says, fear not. When we do not trust, we become anxious, we become fearful, and we become separated from God. To have faith means to let go of our anxiety, to let go of our fears, and to place ourselves in God's love and in his care. The disciple Matthew tells us 
in his rendition of our Lord's gospel, that Jesus said, do not worry about life. Do not worry what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather, but the Father feeds them. And Jesus goes on to say, aren't you of more value? Don't worry. Don't have anxiety. Don't have fear. Have trust. Now, Thomas proclaims Jesus as God. Now, for me, and I'm I'm certain for some of you, this story helps me understand my own beliefs. What led Thomas to his faith and to his proclamation leads me, and again, I'm sure some of you, to that very personal question of why do I believe in God? Like Thomas, I believe because of my own experiences. My faith is not grounded in what I wish to be true. It's not fixed on some desire or need that I maintain. But my faith is based on what I experience as true. Now, Thomas was one of the original twelve. And he had been with Jesus from the beginning. He had experienced Jesus' teachings. He'd been there for the miracles. He'd seen the lame walk and, and the blind made to be, to, uh, were made to see. And he experienced the love of Jesus. The love of Jesus for all of God's creation. The love of Jesus for all of God's people. And the love of Jesus, yes, even for his enemies and adversaries. When Jesus wanted to go down to see his friend Lazarus, who was sick and and possibly dying, many of the disciples said, Lord, Lord, no, you can't go. You can't go. The, the priests and the Pharisees, they, they lay a trap for you. They, they plot against you. Thomas says, Lord, I'll go with you down to, to Jerusalem. I'll go down to Jerusalem with you to that certain death. You see, Thomas had made his decisions about Jesus from what he had experienced. That was why he followed. That was why he had dedicated his life to this man, this teacher, this miracle worker. That is why he loved and trusted Jesus. Now, like Thomas, I am swayed by what I experience. Also, like a scientist, I depend on pragmatic results that are repeatable over time and circumstances. The results of my own experience, I report to you today. What I have seen with my own eyes and I have heard with my own ears, what I have observed over and over again is the love of God. A love that I cannot deny. A love that we cannot deny. 
but only acknowledge with grateful hearts. In this gratitude, our faith is grounded. Jesus tells Thomas that those that find a way to trust him, those that find a way to trust him without seeing him, these are the really blessed ones. And in so doing, Jesus suggests that believing, that trusting is seeing. By trusting the Lord, we are able to see him in our lives every day. And not the other way around. What Thomas usually gets stuck with, doubting. When you can come to trust the love that surrounds you, when you can see for yourself the strength of God's love, then you're blessed. Just as family members trust one another, as longtime friends trust one another, trust their experiences. Thomas trusted Jesus in the same way, he trusted his experience. And as we trust the love of God that surrounds us in Christ Jesus, so too will each of us be blessed. So what does all this mean? What do we do with these blessings that we are showered with? Well, this same gospel reading tells us. Jesus said, peace be with you as the Father has sent me, so I send you. In other words, just as Jesus revealed the Father to the world, it is our job, not just the clerics, but all of our job to reveal Jesus to the world. By showing God's love in all that we do, by living in his love, we can experience and we can share his joy and peace. The peace of the risen Christ. And we can do so with sincerity and certainty. And this task, my brothers and sisters, in this task, we are fortified by Jesus with his body and his blood. The risen Christ comes to us in the same way he came to Thomas, in love. In love he comes to us, he comes to invigorate us, to animate us, to bless us as his followers. Come this morning and have your love kindled. Come and receive this holy communion that we are soon to experience. Come. And be filled with his spirit. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.